Yesterday was my parents, would have been my parents' 66th wedding anniversary. And 39 years ago today, I fell in love. I'm still in love. And that all happened at a little place called Camp Quinnipet, the first day of staff training week. It was not on my schedule for what to do that day or that week. And yet, that's a funny thing about love. Since then, and before then, has grown in me the conviction that love is for everybody. Love is for everybody. Something that my parents knew and transferred to us. Something that we knew and know and transferred to our children and anybody else who cares to listen. Now, had I been preaching today, I calculate that this would have been my something like my two-dozenth um, Pride Sunday sermons, or thereabouts. Um, I'm sure I would have wonderful things to say, but we won't find out, because what we have today to offer to all of us is something better. We are going to hear about the gifts and the lives and the stories of grace of three wonderful and amazing people. I get to introduce the first person, uh, our own Phil Hall, member of this community, a longtime person in this community, but who often manages to uh, be there behind the piano, and today will come out from behind the piano and talk to all of us. So welcome, Phil. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here this morning. When Kay asked me to speak today, I, I said, three minutes? Uh, and when I, when I, though I'm from the South, from North Carolina, people often imagine from my accent that I'm a native New Yorker, not. Uh, and being from the South, I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. And uh, the Southern Baptist Church in the 1960s was not the most reconciling atmosphere to be in. At age 14, I, I actually played uh, for the Salvation Army Church in Durham. And when I was 15, I played for the Christian Scientist Church in Durham. And finally, at 16, I came to my Baptist church. And while my Baptist church meant the world to me because I had so many people who loved and supported me during that time, it was hard to listen to what came out of the pulpit all the time because a lot of it is very conservative uh, thinking. And so uh, when I got to New York and on my own spiritual journey, I decided to see a therapist and I ended up seeing him for eight years. But my biggest, uh, the biggest thing ahead of me was integrating my sexuality with my spirituality because they were split off from one another. I mean, I could be homosexual, but I really couldn't reconcile that with my spiritual self. So I asked my therapist. I went through a long process of, of going through places my friends had recommended I go to find a therapist that uh, charged on a sliding scale. And finally, I found a therapist who I said to him, what do you do if the world into which you are born is not big enough for all of who you are? And he said, you create a world that is big enough for all of who you are. And I knew I'd met the right guy when he answered that question in that way because I knew that's what I had to do. So I began to go on uh, gay spiritual retreats at Kirkridge in Pennsylvania. I also went on gay and lesbian retreats because I knew that as a gay man I was not the only person going through what I felt, uh, being marginalized or disincluded. 
And um, I also made my way, my therapist knew of the MCC Church, the Metropolitan Community Church. And he recommended I go there. And at the time, they didn't even have their own uh, church. They were on West 4th Street. And the night that I went to this church, I couldn't do anything but weep. I sat down and I cried for the next hour and a half because I felt what it felt like to bring all of who I was to the church that evening. It took a lot of courage. It took a lot of uh, grit and determination to feel like all of who I was was welcome at that church. I was certain that that was the case. And I very much feel like that's the case at this church I have to say that the world that I have created, I'm very fond of. I like it much better. And um, I feel like I can't really hide. I'm I'm not going to hide the light that is me and the talents that I have under a bushel basket. And I'm very pleased to introduce Aya, who has um, been a friend of mine for a few years and is now uh, serving on the leadership team of our new community's uh, core team. And uh, there are a lot of wonderful things to say about Aya. She's a PFLAG mom. She works with um, parents, families, and friends of LGBTQ people. Um, and she the, the best thing to say that I can say about Aya is... Um, that she's been become a surrogate mom to a lot of, especially Asian American LGBTQ people, whose fam- own families um, they cannot talk to, and she's—I know she's saved many lives. Thank you, Vicky. Good morning, church. Um, again, my name is Aya, and again, I am um, a member of uh, PFLAG New York City, and actually, I'm a member of. Uh, API Rainbow Parents. That's the, uh, the Asian uh, Parents and the Ally Organization for uh, LGBTQ children. And uh, the Pride Parade is very important to me because this is a time when I go out and I, I, can, I, I get to uh, show my love for my daughter in public. And this year, as a Christian, I have found another purpose to be out and uh, march in the parade. Uh, that, that is, as a Christian, I want to be a messenger of uh, reconciliation in the name of Jesus Christ. Last winter, my daughter and I appeared in a, a video made by ARP to promote um, family uh, acceptance of uh, LGBTQ children. And the, the reaction to, to the, uh, the video was so tremendous. There are so many Christians came out and left messages like, your love is not love. It's blasphemy. Your daughter is going to go to hell if she keeps her lifestyle. And you are worshiping a wrong God. And on and on and on. Those words hurt me so much. I was disappointed by, you know, to find out there is so, so much gap between those Christians and me. 
in terms of uh, who, who is Jesus Christ. My Jesus taught me to love my daughter. My, my Jesus would not, you know, promote hatred. And by the grace of God, I just realized that uh, it should be me to go a step forward to, to reconcile, not only with God, but with those people. And uh, I feel, you know, the Lord is nudging me today and pushing me lovingly but uh, firmly so that I can go out into the uh, New York City and show my love of God and to my daughter. Happy Pride and God bless. Thank you. I am honored to introduce you to Sarah Schott, if you don't know her already. You might remember her from three weeks ago when she officially became an affiliate member of this congregation. Uh, Before that, she has already done a program here, that's kind of the way it goes around here, (laughs) on voter suppression and voting rights. Um, She's been an active member in our campus ministries and our young adult uh, ministries. We're thrilled to have her here. So you can listen to a little bit of her story. Uh, Good morning. morning. (laughs) Um, So I grew up in the Methodist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, And as a child, I really liked going to church to see friends, um, get attention from doting elderly ladies, sing, have potlucks. Um, And for me, church was always about community. Um, a community of people who loved me and cared for me. Um, But as I grew up, I was discovering that maybe a good community takes a lot more than potlucks. Um, As a teen, I grappled with who I was and began to struggle with depression and anxiety. Um, I found that I couldn't talk about those things at church. because I'd be breaking the silence. Uh, Like so many Methodist churches and churches in general, mine was just kind of politely silent about difficult topics. No one talked about what it meant for a member of our community to be LGBTQ. And I didn't want to be the one to bring it up first. Um, I felt like an alien in a place that was supposed to be a comfortable home. And I started to lose faith that there was a place for me in all of this. Um, In my late teen years and early 20s, I wasn't involved in church and was wondering, as a queer person in a homophobic world, as someone who was depressed, as someone who was the survivor of relationship violence, and as part of a family that had fallen apart, um, where was God in all of this? Contrary to a lot of coming out stories, um, 
Telling people that I'm queer um, in a lot of ways has put my life back together. Um, it introduced me to a relationship that could heal um, instead of hurting me and um, to someone who made me get help with depression and anxiety. Um, my friends, including friends from the church where I grew up, um, embraced me. Um, it brought me closer to and made me more honest with people in my family. Um, and God filled up all the spaces that felt empty with the most wonderful people that I know, um, the people who love and care and support me no matter what. Uh, my dad um, is the guy who starts a high school Sunday school class in the South with let's talk about evolution today. <laughs> um, and he is my faith role model. When I came out to him, he said, if anyone has a problem with it, that's their problem, not yours. Um, he has the strongest faith of almost anyone I know, um, and his influence, knowing that people like him are in communities of faith, uh, made me brave enough to, when I moved to New York, look for a faith community again. SPSA is the perfect one for this point in my journey. Um, I thank you all um, for not being silent about LGBTQ members of our community. Um, and having days like this where it's obvious that you're not just silent, you are not just accepting you without saying anything, you're loud and have pride in it. Um, and I'm so honored to be part of a church that makes my faith strong, not in spite of, but because of and including my queer identity. So thank you. <laughs>